1: The
2: premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Two down, back loaded, no score. Jesus Sanchez, left-handed batter, hits a fly ball to left. Back goes half, it's over his head. It bounces over the wall for a ground rule double. Chisholm lines a base hit into right. Hampson is gonna try to score. The throw by Suzuki to the plate is not in time. Run scoring single Jazz Chisholm and it is six to two. Line drive deep left and over Rosarena. Vaughn will score. Eloy's got a double.
3: If he stays out there Franco probably will be taking it the left or left center.
2: Back out of the sheets. And it just got out of here. Franco breaks up the no-hit bid with an 0-2 opposite way home run, and it's 3-1. Another deep drive. And a Rosarena has two tonight. He's have hit five here in the last three innings. It's time for hit and run with your host, Matt Spiegel.
4: Um, hi, everybody. It's baseball conversation in our unique two-team town with me, your Huckleberry, your Sunday morning baseball lover and chatterbox, Matt Spiegel. It is hit and run. We have a short show. We have to talk fast. The Cubs start early this morning. And in fact, this is your only local broadcast for Cubs and Marlins that's at 10:30 pregame here on The Score. So I only have you for 90 minutes. We have a lot to process and we will. Mark Carrig from the Athletic, their national baseball writer and just a terrific baseball voice is going to join us at 10 for a little little lighthearted romp through some of the most memorable anger in the history of the sport. And that would be the 40th anniversary of Lee Elia's rant. I want to talk about that with Carrig? But uh, before that, why don't we hang out with some more anger? Let's hang out with some more incredible frustration to be voiced. And this directly at your Chicago White Sox. And even if they're not your White Sox, if you're a Cub fan, you can't ignore what's going on because it speaks to things that are larger than one franchise. It speaks to the quality or lack thereof of sports ownership. It speaks to the quality or lack thereof of a holistic organization in professional sports and how it is supposed to function. So let's discuss. Good morning, everyone. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Your phone calls are always welcome, as you know. At 312-644-6767. That's also how you text. And the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. We are broadcasting live, in fact, from the Scores Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. So, Kenny Williams said earlier this week that, quote, accountability around here is not a problem, unquote. We all had a good laugh. We played with that. We got angry and then laughed again because what the hell are you supposed to do? But accountability is obviously a massive problem around there from the very top to the very bottom. We're dealing with a situation here right now, this morning, where the guy who is supposed to be your very best player, center fielder, top or heart of the order bat, a five-tool talent that reminded scouts of some of the best athletes in the history of the game. That guy... You remember that guy? Man, we've got a montage somewhere. We're gonna need a montage. We got a montage somewhere of all these different scouts and baseball scribes and writers comparing Luis Robert to Bo Jackson and Ichiro Suzuki and Ken Griffey Jr. and Eric Davis from our youth. Impossible five-tool talents in terms of... Current players, we talked about Mike Trout. Others, and the raw talent and ability and the body was so obviously there. And sometimes it still is. But now that guy has zero plate discipline and seems to have never truly, on his way up and into the organization, been pushed about plate discipline. Never held accountable for his flaws at the plate. You know the numbers. We talked about it last week with the chase rate for the whole team, but really for him, has he ever been held accountable for the lack of play discipline? Has he ever been moved down in the lineup? Has he ever been sent back to the minors? I mean, it's an incredible talent, so maybe you don't want to do that. Have you ever moved him down in the lineup and sat his ass down and said, hey, you know what? I I need you to learn to not swing at that. The first pitch yesterday was a, a cut fastball that was like, I don't know, 18 inches outside, and he swung at it Did Luis Robert because that's what he does. Anyway, this player was paid before he played a single big league game. Right? He was paid that spring. Sean, can you check that detail for me, the date that he was paid? And I, I know that it was a superpower of Rick Hans at the time to, to get organization friendly deals. But the Sox were trusting and hoping that Luis Robert would care and work and learn.
2: And this May twenty seventh, twenty seventeen is when he signed. So May twenty seventh year old.
4: Okay. No, no, so that's when he was that's when he, he came to the White Sox having right, won the exactly. scouting. When did he sign the contract extension? So the the new the new contract. Look for that. Sean Sears doing work on the fly. Here's the problem with signing guys early in retrospect, and this is obviously true for Moncada and for others. The White Sox have no real development structure to facilitate the growth and learning of these players. Nothing. Never forget that this is what is consistently, constantly exposed. Their failure as an organization to scout, draft, teach, and develop. That is the most important stuff that an organization can do. And when you commit to a rebuild and slowly head towards a target winning window, then we see what you as an organization can deliver. And the team that's on the field right now, as exemplified by this 25-year-old who is supposed to be the face of this team in his peak prime, is a reflection on how poorly you as an organization scout, draft, teach, and develop. Absolutely god-awful. This rebuild failed horrifically. It's over. The ugliness of this rebuild, the ugliness on the field, is reinforcing on a nightly basis in impossibly new and embarrassing ways just how much it failed. Last week, we talked about the 26th man, Adam Hazley, as a defensive replacement outfielder, having a moment to affect a game and had horrible defense, took five stops and a skip. Before he made a throw on a walk-off game winner by Tampa at their place. It, it had trickled down to the 26th man. This week, it is your supposed best player. The number one player on your team. He's supposed to be the face of the team and in his peak prime, he doesn't run hard. He gets pulled by the manager. Then after the game, and we'll, we'll play some of this, and we'll try to listen with the best ears we can because it's a complicated situation when you're speaking Spanish and we're trusting Billy Russo to do the best job that he can do to translate the feelings of Luis Robert. And it's a difficult watch because Robert giggles a couple of times. He doesn't remember the name of his bench coach. Um, it, 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 and what he says is convoluted and hard to believe, and if we are to fully believe it, it's gross. Like, we'll get into all that, okay? But the manager doesn't even come off as informed and assured and decisive after the game, and the fans are left more disgusted than they were during the game. More disgusted than you were during the game. Have we mentioned the game? You were up 3 nothing, throwing a no-hitter. And then you gave up 10 runs in the seventh inning that has happened a total of two times since 1974 in the history of the sport. That you were no hitting a team, then you gave up 10 runs in an inning. You can't make this stuff up. Within that inning was I thought within that emblematic inning of the whole year was, I thought the emblematic play. and you know, it was a really nice relay that they had from left field to Elvis Andrus right into Yasmani Grandal's glove to get a runner. But Grandal dropped the ball. Because Grandal often drops balls. Because you paid the most you've ever paid for a free agent, and he's bad at catching. It's too bad. He, he's, he's good at pitch framing. He's good at talking to pitchers, and he seems to be a wonderful guy. He just drops the ball a lot. And so there he did. Your, your big money catcher dropped the ball and allowed a run to score. And then your frustrated pitcher grabbed the ball, tried to flip it over to Grandal, and it rolls away. And the best team in baseball takes an extra 90 feet. That happened in the middle of that inning. But we're here talking about what happened after the game. And we're talking about the entire organization. Because how do you not? How do you not? Here's the play where it happened. You're listening to Hit and Run on 670, the score. Here's Robert jogging to first base on a ground out in the very first inning.
2: Robert in the leadoff spot. It's a soft bouncer, and Fauchet will lob over to first on a hop to get him.
3: I don't know what happened with uh, Luis Robert because he stopped running. I think that's what the fans are uh, alluding to here. He's got a chance to beat this. I hope
2: he's okay. He kind of grimaced. Yeah,
3: he did, and he broke it down. And Again, we just have to hope he's okay.
4: So that is Steve Stone and Len Casper reacting as the crowd boos in the back. And then Robert went out and played the field, and then he was taken out of the game. And you're wondering during the game, why is Robert gone? What is this? Maybe he is hurt. And then you find out it was a managerial decision. So, good. I'm thinking, damn right. Good. Look, I'm the guy. I did it last week. I called for Luis Robert to be sent sent down in the lineup and sat down next to you. Or flat out benched, if you wanted to. And then here we are a week later, after more horrific plate discipline and a complete... Lack of seeming understanding of the strike zone that's going to doom his entire career, and then this. And here's Pedro Grifol after the game, trying to explain it with uh, with the question being asked. Here's Pedro Grifol.
3: Pedro, hey, can you uh, explain what happened with Luis Robert Jr. in the first? You know, Luis um, is a really hard worker. Plays hard. Um, he might have just had a mental lapse, and our expectations are—you know—we we, got to run hard down the line. Um, this is not a common occurrence with Luis. Um, as a matter of fact, I've talked to him about slowing down a little bit in—you know—in practices and making sure that you know you save some of it because he really he really is a hard worker. But um, you know, we our expectations are—you know—you run hard down the line, and that was it. And and uh, he might have just had a mental lapse on that. I'm not sure.
5: Did he say anything to
3: you? That one? I, I I just spoke to him, and I told him that we got we to gotta run hard down the line. That's it.
4: We will uh, play some of the Luis Robert post in our next segment. It is, it is convoluted. It is bizarre, and it's damning on multiple levels, if indeed he's telling the truth. What a freaking mess. What a mess this is. The manager didn't know exactly what happened, didn't have a chance to communicate. The whole thing got worse after the game. And it was horrible during the game. And oh, by the way, it's the worst start they've had in more than 30 years. If The season is toast. The rebuild is toast. The winning window is over. It is over. And it's incredible what has been exposed. Remember that they have no development structure to facilitate the growth of their own players. It is obvious and it is exposed every night. They cannot scout, draft, teach, or develop. And every night we see the reflection of that. When you finish a rebuild, the team on the big league field is a reflection of how You scout, draft, teach, and develop. We saw it with the Cubs. We saw it with the Astros. You see it with any number of teams that break it down and build it back up. It's hard to do. You don't always win. But you do see certain teams that play well, that function well. The White Sox do not. This is awful. It's still April. It's April. How low can you go? And folks, here's the chant that broke out. Here's the chant that broke out in the middle of the game. Loud and clear and commented on on certain broadcasts and then tweeted about by a million baseball accounts national and then commented on further in columns after the game and on this radio show right now. And elsewhere, here's what happened during the game.
2: So eleven to three, and the batter is Siri. Sell
4: the team. Sell the team Folks, the chant is correct. It just is. It's unfortunate because what you've got here is the overall vanity project that the White Sox have devolved into. Jerry Reinsdorf's vanity project. And overall, the loyalty to a fault, the overall neglect and lack of caring about the details, the assumption that players would be good enough, the hope that players would be good enough, the willingness to let a manager far past his best days who hadn't been in the game for a decade, the willingness to let him run the show, the allowance of pats on the back and promotions as executives talk about accountability and we all just laugh, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. So sell the team. Look at the company you keep. In Oakland, they had sell the team chance and sell the team signs yesterday. Did you see what MLB did with the footage of that? There there was a home run that happened in that Oakland game yesterday where the sell the team signs were visible. Then in the highlight on MLB.com, they had zoomed in. To edit out the sell the team signs. You're oh, yes, this happened. I don't know where it happens along. Is that just is that just uh, a, you know, a, a wonk at MLB.com? Is it um, is it a boss there? Is it a mandate from the commissioner? Is it the pressure of a of a right. seeming mandate? We don't know where it happens. Awful announcing already has a link on it, but what I'm saying is when a fan base as powerless as Oakland says, sell the team, and the league notices and edits you? How do you think they feel about a fan base that's a little more powerful, like the White Sox, in a town like Chicago, chanting, sell the team? How do you think, how do you think Rob Manford and the owners feel about Jerry Reinsdorf having driven this thing into the ground? Now, we know they love Jerry, and they respect Jerry, and they kowtow to Jerry because Jerry's a boss, because Jerry might as well be Bud Seelig. It's the same level of gravitas and respect. But man, it's going to get ugly in the commissioner's office now. I hope. It's going to get ugly around other owners. I hope. Because the ugliness at the ballpark, on the phone lines, in the stands, on your airwaves, man, it's worse than I've ever heard it about any team in this town. It's my 31st baseball season in Chicago. I mean, we can can talk about the 2004 Cubs after that thing fell apart. We can talk about the 2022 White Sox.
2: Too soon. Too soon. And now here we are
4: in April! April of 2023. Poor Pedro Grafol, man. Here's your chance, kid. You get to manage. Your lifelong dream. Here you go. You're the face of the team. You're going to be the identity of the team. Here you go. Here's the job. Now, fix this, would you? I mean, think about the absurdity of asking him to fix a failed rebuild on the big league level one month into the season. And I'm asking him because that's the job, but it is ridiculous what we're asking of Pedro Graffol. Absolutely ridiculous. Because some of these players are cooked. And you, the organization, are the one that cooked them. 312-644-6767. It's Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. We have time for your phone calls and your texts. You'll hear from Luis Robert, and we'll try to listen with uh, empathetic and linguistically intelligent ears to the best of our ability. And we'll talk to you on Hit and Run. Call from mom. Answer it. Call
0: silenced.
2: Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on the score. What's it
3: like in there right now? I mean, this obviously is not anywhere where you thought you'd be. What's it like in that clubhouse? Exactly what you can think of after having a three-run lead in the six with a no-hitter and giving up ten. I mean, whatever you can possibly think of, that's what it, that, that's what it's like. Um, can't hide from it. You know, it, it, it happened. And um, we got a game tomorrow. You know, so, but I can't stress enough the job that Lance did. Um, We did some good things offensively. We moved runner over, got got the runner in, tacked on a run. Um, You know, we were in a good position to win the baseball game.
4: They were in a good position to win the baseball game, and then they were exposed for what they are, your 2023 Chicago White Sox. It is a horrific and ugly moment um, for the White Sox, and, the fan base is furious. Um, it, it was a, a little cathartic to talk about it there in segment one. My apologies if it didn't make things worse. I love this tweet from Dennis uh, Keen. Speaks, I thought listening to your show was going to help. I am now day drinking at 9.23 in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, it's just... I, I I just told you how I feel. It's April! It's April! It's, it's absolutely bananas. So... Um, After the game, when the 25-year-old athletic marvel, who is supposed to be at this point the very best player on a championship team, has been pulled after lightly jogging to first base and being out on a grounder he could have beaten out easily. After the game, he's asked about it, of course, and Luis Robert does not speak English, Billy Russo of the White Sox PR staff and their official translator does the very best he can trying to get across the feelings of Luis Robert. And this is Billy Russo getting across what Luis Robert had said to him about his hamstring.
5: What happened was, uh, I mean, last night, I, I ran, I hustled a lot down the line. And uh, today my legs were a little tired. And my um, right hamstring was a little tight, um you know then I decided to play conservative today um and that was what happened. I think my mistake was that I didn't tell anybody I didn't tell the manager before the game because I knew that if I say something to him, he probably uh, wouldn't let me play. but that was what happened.
4: So he didn't want to tell his manager. Because he wanted to play. So, look, here's my first thought genuinely. Do you remember how these guys were told to do this kind of thing last year? Do you remember they were advised to do this? Remember how many of them were advised to not go 100% last year? We talked about it a lot. Luis Robert has often been told, as a member of the White Sox, to play. But not overexert yourself. Be careful. Andrew Vaughn was told to do that. Eloy Jimenez was told to do that. Right? I think we were up to like 9 or 11 players who have been told to do that last year. We were incredulous. So Luis thinks that's totally okay to do. So think about that. Before you you get 100% mad at him, and you can be, of course, and I am. It's disgusting. But Remember, these guys are a product of the organization that has delivered them. Remember, Luis Robert paid in January of 2020 for a long-term extension before he'd played a single big league game. And I I understand why it happened, and I praised all those deals at the time. But you can't do those deals if you're not, A, 100% sure in the work ethic and commitment of the player, or at least 80 to 90% sure, and, B, 100% sure of your ability as an organization to develop and teach accountability. And we all know that is the worst thing that you do as an organization. You don't develop, and you sure as hell don't teach accountability. So those contracts, those long-term deals look awful right now because you didn't teach and develop and hold them accountable. So a little more from Billy Russo saying why he didn't tell Pedro Graffol that he was hurt.
5: No, I didn't, I didn't tell him anything uh, I think after the, the, the play happened. Uh, Toyo came to me and asked me, "Hey, are you okay?" I, I didn't say anything. Uh, and then Pedro came and asked me, "Too, hey, everything okay?" I, I didn't say anything. I didn't. I didn't want to say anything. Uh, yeah, I want to say the game. But I think uh, afterwards, like I said one of the guys told them, and then that was when they when they knew. Is this something you can play through, or is it something?
4: So the other guys told him. Who
2: did he say, Eloy and Elvis? Eloy and
4: Elvis. Eloy and Elvis were the guys who eventually told Graffol. By the way, Luis was hurting, and he had decided to, like, go at 60% or whatever. Uh, Luis did not communicate that to his own manager. Luis also did not communicate that to the bench coach. You heard Billy Russo say Montoyo, Charlie Montoyo. What you didn't hear in there was, as Luis was speaking Spanish and answering a question, he asked Billy Russo who the bench coach's name was asked him what his name was, which is why when that long-form postgame finished live on NBC Sports Chicago, Chuck Garfine lost his mind. What are
3: we
2: doing here? What are we doing here? By the way, your bench coach's name is Charlie Montoyo. You should know his name. He's been the bench coach here for three months. You have to ask (laughs) Billy Russo what his name is? What are
4: we doing here? (laughs) That's exquisite. I mean, that is just, it's beautiful. It's so real. It's so, it's so, what are we doing here? How are you supposed to do, like, thoughtful, rational post game of of one of 162 when you have descended to where you have descended? How, how, what am I supposed to, am I supposed to come in here and talk about Lance Lynn's sweeper? Is, is that what you guys want to hear today? It, it, I, I mean, is Chuck Garfine supposed to turn to Gordon Beckham and, and, and ask him about Grandal dropping the ball on the relay? I mean, maybe they did eventually. I don't know. But <laughs> the whole exercise is broken by the absurdity of this thing. What are we doing here? His name is Charlie Montoyo. I'll forever think of Fight Club and Logan Paulson or Robert Paulson. Logan Paulson was the tight end. For the Bears, is that right? His name is Logan Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. R.I.P. Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. Fight Club. Wait, God, oh, there's a lot of lot of jokes in there. That's it's just a whole melange for everybody. What are we doing here? Um, I don't speak Spanish. I don't know the full context for what we hear, and it's and I want to be empathetic towards that. But really, the empathy that I have for Luis Robert is that the organization has told you all along that what you did last night is perfectly fine. Think about it. He's been told and taught that it is perfectly fine. It is not fine. Good job, Pedro Grafaule. Get his ass out of the game. And what should happen today? Folks, how about Charlotte? How about AAA Charlotte? How about a 10-day injured list stint for a hamstring? And you say, he needs to understand he has to be at our best, at his best, in order to help us. So we're putting him on the injured list. That's probably what's going to happen today. You, you can't just put him back out there. And if, it's, if he sits there on your bench, it's awkward. Grant him the injury, which may or may not be true. Tell him that the standards have changed. And you have to run hard to first. And if you can't, you have to tell me. Then I'll make a decision. And I can know as the manager, I can protect you or not. Tell him this is your opportunity. It's a massive teachable moment. Should he have been taught already? Yes. Is he 25? And in his peak athletic prime, do you wish he knew everything? Yes. Does he? Clearly no. So teach him. Mold him. This is your moment, Pedro. It's One of them. Good luck with your impossible task. (laughs) And step up and teach this one guy something and see if that brings accountability to an entire organization that is absolutely decrepit and in chaos and needs to be sold. Good luck to the baseball manager. And yes, guess what? It was a hard job for Tony LaRussa, too. I'm getting a lot of it's the last thing I want to say before we take phone calls. I'm getting a lot of, see, it wasn't all just Tony. It was never all just Tony. It was incredibly obvious. And I said it loud and clear. If you didn't hear it, that's on you for not listening better, frankly. It was never all just Tony. Tony was a manifestation of Jerry. Remember? This is a vanity project for Jerry. He tried to right a wrong by putting Tony in a spot that Tony should not have been in. I felt bad for Tony along the way at different times and said so. I hoped that Jerry was going to remove him just because it was embarrassing to see your Hall of Fame baseball person be exposed on the daily. It's it, it, Tony had no chance, especially once they realized that he was not going to hold them accountable, that he was going to need naps, that he was going to side with Rocco Baldelli and the opponent when your guy hit a home run, that he was not going to fix your defense and fundamentals. And So Tony being awful and expectedly awful was a manifestation of the organizational rot that got you here. And if you didn't hear that in the context last year, frankly, it's on you. And if you want to say that some people said it was all Tony, okay, I know I didn't. I know that for damn well, sure, because I know the most important thing is how you as an organization scout, teach, develop, and deliver a finished product. It's number freaking one. Scout, draft, teach, and develop. And they're awful at it. Ron is in Lombard and is now on the score. Good morning, Ron. How are you?
0: I agree with a lot of things you're saying, really do. But let me just say a couple of things. I'm an old guy here. Okay. Ron said years ago when he played third base for the Cubs that they play for their contracts. These players are playing for their contracts. They're, I think they feel they're not getting paid enough because Bellinger, who makes $18 million a year, they're saying, well, I got underpaid. Why should I play? Geminez... Uh, you, you, Jim, Guaranteed, will pull three hamstrings about the, before the end of the year. They don't want to play anymore. That's all these players are like that. Trout? Does he ever finish a complete year? Never. How about Harper in Washington? Does he ever complete it?
2: Yeah,
4: but now you're conflating injuries with desire, and that's not fair. Uh, where that, where that nexus actually breaks down is interesting, and we can have the conversation but you're telling me Bryce Harper doesn't want to play that Mike Trout doesn't want to play that's trash and it devalues your entire call. Luis Robert has never played more than 98 games in a season. He has now had four seasons. One of them uh, obviously was the 2020 pandemic year when he played 56 out of 60. We don't know how much he would have played if that had been a buck 62. But then 68 games, then 98 games and now 27 games and he damn well shouldn't play today. I don't know if it's an injured list stint, I don't know if it's an active benching and just keep him on your roster and play a man short. I don't know if it's a trip to Charlotte, but there's no way in hell he can be in your lineup today. If you're going to try to hold him accountable, then see it through. See it through. And that explanation is not okay. Take it at its face, but you're Pedro Rafal. You speak Spanish. You go sit down with him. You talk to him for a while. Hopefully you did it last night. I understand why you didn't do it during the game, trying to manage a ball game. But after the game, you better have stayed late and talked to him or come in early to talk to him this morning. Ron is on the south side on 670 to score. The better Ron is here. What's up, Ron?
0: <laughs> yeah, that caller lost me. Yeah. Uh, this team is just absolutely feels atrocious. And I've been following this team about 55 years. I've seen some bad teams. This is the first team I think I just really um, dislike. And, 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 and two things I'm kind of uh, confused about. Gruffo, he said that he sometimes tells Luis Robert during practice to to slow it down. Yeah, see, but you can't do that. See, mm-hmm. so you know I fault him, and, yes. and and so he's he's contradicting himself. And lastly, mm-hmm. when Luis Robert said he didn't talk to him? I thought this this was his big plus. Speaks, yes. he speaks Spanish. He's relatable. He's a communicator. He's a
4: great communicator. Yes, sir.
0: But, but the bottom line is the core players, we talked about them Johan, Eloy. These are the guys when uh, Rick Hobbs was talking about multiple championships. It was these core players, and they have been absolute feds. One of the biggest collective. Of uh, failures, speed of uh, of a White Sox team I've seen in a long time.
4: Well, that is the that is the truth. There's so much truth in that call, Ron. the The core group that you invested in and needed to be great was not great. Guess what? The Cubs' core group that they invested in uh, to be great in their rebuild was really damn good, and so they won a World Series. But then they didn't end up being great as a collective. Remember that. Now, they hadn't decided to pay them, and they hadn't traded them until the end. So did they wait too long? I think so. But it's the same kind of thought process. It's the same kind of thing to dissect, and it's why it's been a gift in this town to get to watch it. There are problems with any number of ways you do it based on the people involved. But it turns out that this core is incredibly disappointing. And I agree about Pedro, man. You're supposed to be the great communicator, and it should be in a better spot than it is now. And after the game, for him to say that he sometimes tells him to take it easy, that gets into athletic training philosophy on an organizational level, which is obviously a problem for the White Sox, among so many other things. Woof. It's the score. Mark Carrig at the top of the hour on the Lee Elia rant. Your calls and texts continue. And we will squeeze in some Cubs. Remember them? On the score.
2: Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon.
4: 670, the score is where you are. Texters getting in. Spieg's. thank you. My birthday's in August. I'm used to feeling sad the season is over. Then, this sucks. Oh, God. Another one. It sucks, and you just have to eat it this year. No trades. I don't want a Han making the choices on potential prospects. Boy, it's a good point. You're pro-scouting. How's your pro-scouting as an organization? In terms of the players you grab in trades, um, how's that gone? I mean, that's the thing, man. It's, it's, and, and that is based on decades of bad organizations.
2: Fernando Tatis Jr., what?
4: Uh, right. I mean, trading Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields. I mean, you can go back. Overall, you're scouting. And it wasn't better under Kenny Williams. I'm sorry. The whole thing is infested. With Kenny Williams, he went for it every year. And it was the right thing to do with this kind of organizational model. Just go grab other people's players as best you can. Maybe it really improved the pro scouting. Go get Jermaine Dye from somewhere. I mean, go get these people from other places. And... I mean, some good trades in there. John Garland for Matt Karshner is a hell of a deal. That's, that's good, you know? So, And then you won a title that way, and you kept trying to do it that way and do it that way, and then it failed. And then in 2013, Rickon took over. I want to um, talk about that, but I think a caller might take me there. This is Serge in Chicago on 670 The score. Serge, you're on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel. What's up?
0: Love the show. I'm raised fan for 20 years. I was sitting behind home plate, about four rows behind All I got to say for White Sox fans, woof. Um, You talk about the Rays, they're 27th in payroll. They really don't pay their players. But, boy, I got to tell you, organization culture matters. It really does matter, and it showed last night. So I am empathetic with you, Sox fans. I am sorry, but um, it really showed last night. Love the show. Thanks so much.
4: Thanks, Serge. You know, here's the thing. When I said about the White Sox – that here at the end of a rebuild, when you're in your theoretical window, the theme on the big le- the team on the big league field, the team on the big league field is a reflection of how you scout, draft, teach, and develop. Okay, what the Tampa Bay Rays are is perpetually on a rebuild because, as an organization, they think about it perpetually from this perspective because they know they can't pay. So they're going to have to turn over their prospects again and again and again. So they need a steady supply of young and cheap and excellent labor that they can trade for big league pieces or plug into their team and then pay preemptively like Wander Franco, and we'll see if that big extension pays off. But you know what I mean. They draft, scout, teach, and develop better than anybody. This tweet uh, this morning from Paul... Hembecatus, if that's how you pronounce his name. It's Hembo. It's Paul Hembo. It's, it's Mike Greenberg's guy over at ESPN. White Sox since 2013 with Rick Hahn. 26th in winning percentage in the majors. Dead last in winning percentage in the minors. The last 10 years, their winning percentage in the minors, dead last. And the reason that I'm bringing that up now is because every single year, the Tampa Bay Rays have the best winning percentage in the minors every single year. Last year, they were number one. White Sox were 27th. The year before last, when the Rays had, uh, had the very best season in the history of an organization, their teams won at every single level. They had the best record in MLB. They had the best record at AAA. They nearly had the best record at double-A. They had the best record at single-A. They had the best record at low-A. They had the best record in their Arizona Fall League or whatever their complex league is, their Florida version. Every level. Greatness. That's the Tampa Rays. That's the big league team you're playing. That's how they get there every year. That's how they'll be there next year. And the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. And I'm not saying you have to be the Rays, but being more like them would help. Maybe 10 years ago, when you hand over the team to Rick Hahn, Jerry, you should have gone outside the organization and got somebody smart from another organization and let them redo what you do. Because that's how you get better. When the Dodgers had all the money in the world and needed somebody to run their team, they stole Andrew Friedman from Tampa and said, Here. Here's a payroll. Here's a, a, a minor league organization. It's not just about what they pay on the big league level. Fix us. Had, did he fix the Dodgers?
2: It's pretty damn close.
4: How healthy is that organization? Their farm system is still great. It's still great.
2: How do you trade for Mookie Betts and still have a top five farm system, right?
4: And, and it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what they do every single year. They still have it. Gavin Lux gets hurt. They'll got to go out and figure out another shortstop, and they will. In the meantime, they do have Mookie. You can just play shortstop because he's the, the best player in, in, in the game, or at least my favorite player in the game.
2: He's the best. I'll give it to you, man. Oh, he's man. so good.
4: He's the greatest. But there, I hope everyone is, is listening to some of these points. I'm getting a chance to, to... – To get a lot of points off, I want to get off. That that Rays comparison with the Miners and the caller took me there. He's there watching the the Rays on the big league level. They are a product of what they are as an organization, and so are you, White Sox. Man. All right, so we'll see what happens with Luis Robert later today. Uh, Meanwhile, the Cubs and the Marlins are coming up uh, right here on the score at 1030. We will get you ready for the, uh, the Cubs game. We'll talk about Caleb Killian and how brutal that was yesterday. You'll hear from him and you'll hear from David Ross before Cubs pregame. It was a compelling game last night in a surprisingly live Miami ballpark, wasn't it? Like you heard lots of Cub fans chanting and then the Marlins fans got pissed off and they chanted back. And that was a fun atmosphere for a late April baseball game. Um, And uh, the Cubs have lost two in a row and need to uh, need to write that uh, today, this morning, as they start early. It is the 40th anniversary, yesterday was the day, the 40th anniversary of the greatest rant in the history of sports. And our guy, Les Grabstein, was the one with the audio tape recorder, the clunky and bizarre device that recorded the rant. And this week, Mark Carrig from The Athletic, their wonderful baseball writer, just had a terrific piece celebrating anger. And now that I've processed mine, let's celebrate his next on 670 The Score.
2: I was there.